Entrepreneurs often have similar characteristics. Energy, passion, vision. But why do some soar to success while others struggle to climb? Less than 2% of women-owned businesses in North America ever achieve a million dollars a year in annual revenue. Why is that? And how do we dramatically increase that number? Welcome to Breakthrough with your host, Sarah Roach-Lewis. Sarah offers conversations with the ambitious women entrepreneurs in that 2% to help you break through. Now, here is Sarah Roach-Lewis. Well, hello, ambitious one. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Breakthrough. Perhaps you have a bold ambition or an emerging desire to hit the million-dollar mark and beyond in your business. You may be well on your way or just starting out. Regardless, this show is for you. I want to welcome Monica Eaton Cardone to the show today. Monica is the co-founder and COO, Chief Operating Officer of Chargebacks 911, which is a division of Global Risk Technologies. And Monica also co-founded that company and serves as the Chief Information Officer. Global Risk Technologies manages more than 200 million global transactions each month. Welcome to Breakthrough, Monica. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, so what I've read is Chargebacks 911 is the first global company fully dedicated to mitigating chargeback risk and eliminating chargeback fraud. Can you explain to me what that means? Yes, absolutely. So um, it probably will help to understand what a chargeback is in the first place, mm-hmm. if you know, the listeners don't know. So imagine you, you buy something online and the seller doesn't deliver it to you or you are a victim of identity theft. In order for you to get a refund for that transaction from your bank, then you file something called a chargeback. Well, as it turns, lots of chargebacks are filed by consumers to take advantage of the process and get a refund for something they did receive or get a refund for a transaction that actually was not identity theft that they they could have claimed otherwise. So what our business does is it really helps um, identify the ones that are valid from those that are invalid, and we support uh, retailers all over the world. We work with, you know, all the major banks, and we also work with the credit card companies, like, um, or the the brands that support credit cards and debit cards, such as Visa, Mastercard, American Express, and Discover. Sure. Okay. So you used to be a retailer before getting into the chargeback industry. So tell me that story and how was your experience as a retailer inspired? inspiring this particular business sure sure so um so i had i had this vision i had um a a technology background and i had some experience in marketing and advertising and and frankly i i had some time in my hands so i thought you know i had decided kind of at, at the point in my life where i just wanted to sort of retire and have kids and stay home and then i thought but I want to do something that involves adults <laughs> and I want to actually have something that's challenging my brain as well. <laughs> so, so I thought, um, you know, what a better idea. I'm going to um, take some of the relationships that I have for my previous career and uh, see if I can um, take, you know, their products and the advertising acumen that I've gained and some of my technology background. And I'm going to create 
you know, the next eBay, only on a smaller scale. And, you know, how hard can it be? I just create this website and, you know, then it's going to attract consumers. And all I have to do is figure out how to, to take their money and give them a refund and ship and do all these things and it should work. And you know what? That was probably the hardest thing ever. I failed <laughs> so many times. I invested so much money, but I'm, I'm sort of like that type of person that just doesn't want to quit until they figure it out. <laughs> So, um, so a, a very expensive um, trial and error lesson in how to really migrate from uh, traditional mediums, where all of my expertise in my career had been uh, with, you know, print media and television advertising, and and really just more of a traditional means, nothing involving the internet or e-commerce. So when I got into e-commerce, it was just a totally different world fast changing, fast paces, you know, analyzing 200 different fields of information as opposed to, you know, 25 static uh, pieces of data that don't ever change that you can depend upon. <laughs> um, and, and there's lots of fraud online. So you have to navigate all these different things. It's very competitive. And in short story, I finally figured out how to actually sell products online. And I was feeling so proud of myself. I had these different joint ventures and thought, okay, now I'm going to grow this online business. And now I'm ready to scale. We've figured out the right color schemes, all the different things that are working. Um, and, and then something happened and I lost my merchant account. So a merchant account is what you use to transact credit card sales online. Well, obviously, if you're a business and you have an, a website and you can't accept a payment, you're pretty much out of business instantly. So I set up a new merchant account, got that fixed, and thought, okay, that will never happen again. And you know, it happened again. <laughs> and it kept happening. And, and the reason why I was losing these accounts was because of this little known problem called a chargeback. And little did I know, but if you get too many chargebacks, so if I had customers that called their bank and got their bank to give them a refund, instead of calling me to give them a refund as the retailer, then... I would be penalized, and if I got too many in a certain month, then I would automatically get my account closed or get fined, lose all my money, and it was just a, a huge problem. So what it, it just became one of those things where to survive, then I looked at every type of solution that was out there to help me understand what was creating these chargebacks and what could I do to prevent them. And there was nothing out there, so I assumed well, clearly every other retailer in the world is just not as naive as I am. And whenever they thought of creating a website, they clearly already knew that there's this thing called chargebacks that can happen. And they know what to do to control that. So, um, but what I discovered is, you know, there was nothing out there. There was no book. There was no guidance. There was nothing. So to just to aid my own survival so that I wouldn't die in this business because this chargeback problem was eating my lunch every single month. Um, I, I decided, you know, we're going to just break this down and I'm going to interview every single individual that ever filed a chargeback, find out why they did it, and we're going to build some software to analyze all of these different uh, attributes and data points and be able to really use some preventative logic so that I can automatically know exactly how much chargeback risk I have, 
what things we're doing to create chargebacks and stop that from being an obstacle to growth. And so I probably spent about six months just delving into this whole payments industry that is like a totally different language, 2,000 mm. pages of rules and regulations. Like I swear, it felt like I was getting a law degree in chargebacks. <laughs> totally not a subject that I enjoyed, liked, was passionate about. It was like a necessary evil sure. that I needed to just learn about to get past it. And, and, and short story, we ended up, um, so developed this uh, technology platform, got our chargebacks in, under control, scaled the business, we're doing great with the business. And then I started getting calls from all the banks that I worked with, banks that would, had even closed my account because I had too many chargebacks. And they said, hey, Monica, you know, I have a merchant, I have a retailer, they have chargebacks, can you help them? And I, I got so many referrals out of nowhere and I started to realize, you know, other retailers, just like me, also mm. have problems with chargebacks. And so maybe people are really interested in a solution. So I created this website, Chargebacks 911, which is the name of the company today. Literally kind of as a joke because I thought, I'm never going to do business with banks. I hate banks. Everyone in the world is against me. I had to deal with this chargeback problem. And what I really wanted as a retailer is I just wanted to dial 911 and be rescued from the chargeback hell I was living in every day. So I put this website up and it's one of those freak stories where literally like in three weeks, I was contacted by the New York Times, then the Wall Street Journal with a whole flood of, you know, merchants and retailers that were all having the same issues and there was no solution. And at that point, I thought, you know, actually... I'm going to pay off all my joint ventures in, you know, my, my retail business online and I'm going to build the next chargeback company and, and we're going to do business with all retailers. Um, that was in 2011. And since then we, we now do business all over the world. We also do business with banks, uh, with, with uh, credit card processors as well as Visa MasterCard. And I've realized that when it comes to this, there's actually no enemy. It, it, it was just my own ignorance of not understanding enough about the problem. Wow, that is an amazing story. And what a great example <laughs> of that. Solve your own problem, you know, creating a business to solve your own problem and discovering it's actually a problem for lots of people. Oh, totally. You, you realize, you know, you're never, ever alone. As much as it feels like it, <laughs> you're, you're never alone. <laughs> That is incredible. So talk to me a little bit about, um, I understand you started working really early and even started your first business pretty early. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so, um, so honestly, I, I don't think I ever had a, a goal to, um, to become an entrepreneur or you know, make a million dollars. Honestly, I, that money wasn't really what, what drove me, but I really, I enjoy um, solving problems and I always want to make sure that I love what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I started my first business again, solving problems. I, I worked for uh, this development company and they, and they sold all these different income properties. And so uh, in, in, in managing all the income properties. So these are like, let's say ski resorts and it's a condo. So it's a second or third home. 
from, for that individuals would buy that they could rent out when it was, you know, slow season or when they weren't staying there. And then they'd go and stay there, you know, if they were going skiing. Well, one of the needs that, that every single, you know, person that was buying one of these condos had is they needed to buy furniture. And it was a real pain. <laughs> so they had to pick out all the things for this condo. And then after it was done, then they had to continue to fly back and pick out all the furniture and then get all of the bedding and get everything, you know, suited in this, in, in their condo. <clears throat> so, so, and I also lived in one of these condos. And so I thought, you know, why don't I offer to do that for them? And, you know, I, I studied interior design. I really, I, I like creative work like that, and I think I could do a good job. And so <clears throat> I did, I offered um, my services to one of the first customers, and that grew, and then it became like that was the showcase, and then I had like five different packages, and I ended up importing furniture, um, actually from uh, Costa Rica, and got into furniture importing, and like got into the whole thing <laughs> on wow how to like put together these, these packages and got some deals with real estate companies and selling and the company was called resort furnishings. Uh, and, and, you know, again, it was, it was solving a problem, something that I thought would be kind of fun that I had some passion about. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things that I, that I learned from that is that as long as, you know, you, you give something your all and, you you do a great job then the money does follow like it i've never had a scenario i've been so fortunate you know to be able to meet some great people and work with great people but i've never had a scenario where putting in extra work and and really you know delivering the, the best quality that i possibly can putting my heart and soul into something doesn't pay off and and that mm -hmm. was like my first my first experience there, I probably got rid of that way too, too at, at, at a lower value than I should have. But, you know, great experience um, led me to do a lot of other things, uh, meet great people, but yes, solve a different problem um, selfishly because I was also interested in it. Mm, fair enough. So it seems to me like you have a really good ability to look at a situation and, and identify the gaps or see where there are places that you can build. Is that something that you learned a lot, were taught? Do you feel that that's a natural ability? Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm... I'm a big believer that, you know, every single person has unlimited potential and we don't need to rely on our natural abilities. We can create abilities if we're going to put in the effort uh, and do, and, and if we're willing to commit to hard work, we can achieve anything and learn anything. So I'm a huge subscriber to that belief. Um, but, but I think um, it, I, I grew up, you know, in, a, in an environment where I had, an opportunity. I mean, at that age, I probably thought that I was being abused. <laughs> but you know, I, I grew up on I grew up on a a, a ranch, and we had um, animals, and I used to move pipe and lived on a farm. And you know, I would I would wake up at four a.m. every morning to do chores and feed the horses and cows. And and this I think developed you know a a work ethic, um, 
early on that has served me very well in life uh, because you you start to realize, you know, putting in that that effort, then the way that I got through some of the hardest jobs that I had was deciding, okay, you know, if I had to stack hay bales, which, you know, really heavy, it's a horrible job, you're sweating to death. And I, then I would think, well, I'm going to make this stack. I'm going to create the best hay stack ever. And I'm even going to make, and then I'm going to make it, I'm going to figure out how I can actually do it even faster. And then I'm going to figure out ways that I can stack the hay so that when I need to feed the horses the next day, it's even easier to get it down. So I think naturally I, I, I will come up with like little games to make things fun so that I can experience progression and get, you know, just some extra satisfaction because that would motivate me to, to put in, to do something, you know, even better next time so that work doesn't feel like work because I've found in my life, if you can, if you can figure out how to create that ability so that anything you're doing no longer feels like work, and, and I believe every one of us can do this, then succeeding is so much easier. Oh, that's so amazing. You know what? I'm going to pause us right there and uh, give people a chance to noodle on that. We'll go to break and we'll be right back with Monica Eaton. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you ready to grow your business to the next level? Check out SRL Solutions for more information on training, coaching, and lots of resources for building your business sustainably and profitably. As a partner who helps you strategize and plan, Sarah Roach Lewis helps you turn your vision into reality. She helps you identify the right area of focus at the right time. Visit srl.solutions to find out more and for a free consultation. That's srl.solutions. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Breakthrough with Sarah Roach Lewis. To reach Sarah or her guest on today's program, please send an email to Sarah at srl.solutions. Again, that's Sarah at srl.solutions. Now, back to this week's episode of Breakthrough. Welcome back to Breakthrough. My name is Sarah Roach Lewis, and I'm here with Monica Eaton of Chargeback 911s and Global Risk Technology. Before the break, we were talking about Monica's keys to success around uh, developing a good work ethic, and figuring out ways to make work fun. Monica, one of the things that I'm curious about is, uh, you know, really a big part of not only does the internet and, and things online move so quickly, when you're trying to stay ahead of fraudsters, um, that must, how do you manage that? How do you manage the speed at which I'm imagining you have to move? 
Um, so I, I don't know. I think you, I would say take it one day at a time, but you really can't. <laughs> so what your goal um, is to constantly, uh, you know, never let yourself relax. And I, I like to think of it as, you know, you need to constantly challenge status quo and consider that you, you know, look at things around you and then keep your eye focused on where you would predict things go. Um, I think, you know, if you attempt to keep pace with a changing environment, you're going to fall behind because the change is happening too fast. It's much easier, I think, if you take a look at, all right, where do I want to be and where do I want to go? Stay focused on a future target and then adjust, you know, with some small deviations as the, as the pace changes or directions change along the way. Um, so, you know, and, and it, it also, I think, helps when you're in a, a, an industry that is, that's changing as quickly as ours, um, to recognize instead of looking at, you know, the challenges that that creates, instead, you know, take a look, remind yourself of the opportunities that you have, you know, the, 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 the growth every time that there's a problem or a new change, it actually creates. A, an opportunity to grow and create innovation. And if you don't have that, then you don't have as many opportunities. So I think staying focused on, on the positive aspects helps you cope a little bit easier with some of the stress and, and chaos that happens, you know, by default handling everything else. Mm, fair enough. If you think about when you started your business and, you know, this one, say in particular in 2001 or 2011 and, and where you are right now, what are some of those things that you feel are tried and true? You're still doing them the same way now um, that you did when you started. And what are the, some of those things that are pretty different in your business? Uh, so, so I would say I'm probably, uh, I, I've never had a, a, a culture or a belief that, you know, I am better than, than anyone. I, I think, I think being humble and, and having humility is really a secret to success. You know, you have to be teachable. You have to be willing to, to consistently learn and be willing and also be willing to make mistakes. Um, so, you know, having more confidence in my ability to survive a mistake or recover from a mistake has been absolutely paramount. Um, and, and that confidence can't, it, it can't just end with yourself. You have to take that same confidence and, you know, give that to your team because if your team if you if you can if you're willing to put faith trust and confidence in your team and you know also encourage them to make mistakes and recognize that even if they make a mistake you have the ability to recover and we can fix that and we can we can go faster you're never going to get ahead you're never going to expand your business unless you do it somewhat through trial and error it's just the way that things work there will be errors um, so I think you know having enough courage to persevere um, has probably been been a, it's definitely been a, a successful um, a successful tenant. Um, and then I, I always say, you know, from from the start, some things that 
I, I like to think every single individual, you know, I, I meet, um, especially those that I'm fortunate enough to work with, you know, whether they're employees or peers, um, you know, human ingenuity is such an impressive thing. And mm-hmm. you, you never, you don't ever want to es- underestimate the, just some of the brilliance that comes from other people's ideas and their contribution, especially when you can engage their passion and they also start to love what they do. So something that I hope that I've been able to cultivate a bit or at least endorse in our company and in our culture from the start is really, you know, having, surrounding myself and, and finding, you know, people that are like-minded that, you know, I, I probably care a lot less about, you know, the, uh, a perfect pedigree. I, I, it's great if they have a college education and an MBA and all of that, if they've worked at different banks. But you know what I care most about? I care most about their character, their work ethic. How badly do they want this? Do they, do, is this, you know, when you take a look at how much you spend in your job, I want this job to be, it's, it's more than a job. It's actually part of my life. So, you know, I want the, the whole team, we, is something that may be controversial, I guess, others. I actually want to work with friends and mm-hmm. we want to develop an environment where, you know, there's, there's a level of respect, there's professionalism, but we don't have, but nobody feels like they're a robot or a number. And so, you know, there, I think there's three things that over time I've kind of codified, I guess, that kind of summarize that. And one is, you know, to always be professional. This is actually super hard when you have a bunch of passionate people <laughs> because, you know, you're, yeah, because I, you know, I encourage arguments. I, I actually, I, I'm absolutely 100% fine if I have a meeting with my team and they say, hey, Monica, you know what? Your idea is completely insane and it's not going to work because actually they may be right. Uh, sure. But, you know, being, being professional is, you know, making, making sure that you subscribe to an amount of discipline that's going to really help you cut through uh, any noise just to get the job done. Um, also working hard. And, you know, this is a, a classic item, but it's, it's very easy to talk about. It's hard to consistently deliver. Um, so consistently be willing to put in the effort and work hard and persevere. I think that's probably number one on this list. And then third is, you know, having thick skin. And Mm. if, you know, one of the lessons that I've learned is, you know, you will, like I said, you will have mistakes, you will fail. Your goal and your strategy should always be fail fast and focus on, you know, your recovery. And you can't be too risk adverse. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to compete, especially in a fast uh, changing environment. So, and, and you're also going to run up against people that just don't like you. You're going to find that you have ideas that don't get adopted. Uh, you're going to be treated badly. As many people that love you to start, the more successful that you get, you're going to find, you know, there's, there's just as many that won't like you. And that's <laughs> just going to happen. And you have to have thick skin to, re- to not let any of that affect you. And instead, Figure out ways that you can take some grains of the criticism and turn it into something constructive so that, you know, it has a positive impact at the end of the day. And I think 
those three things I personally try to focus on um, because it, it just, it helps, you know, really keep discipline and a core focus for, for growth. Hmm. So uh, that, that thick skin one in particular. So is that something that you developed over the years or, you know, how, how does one develop a thick skin? If you're talking to someone on your team who's struggling with a criticism, what advice do you have for actually developing that skin? Um, well, I think, I think it is a, an ability that you have to create and work on consistently. <laughs> you know, all of us have had arguments. Uh, you know, probably, you know, with a, a a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or a spouse are probably the most common. Where you know, you you know exactly what you want to say, but then you just bite your tongue because it's not the right time, it's not worth it, and and you think, you know, over time, as you uh, gain, you know, even more respect for that individual, then you're going to find even more self control. It is a learned behavior, and as you, the more you practice the more you're able to control yourself. So it's just about, you know, developing that ability in a workplace as well and and not just, you know, biting your tongue or not saying certain things back, but then also taking the initiative to work on, you know, the effects mm -hmm. and actually diminish those effects because it doesn't do you any good to not you know, say something back when somebody says something offending and, and, but then hold a grudge because having thick skin means that you actually don't hold grudges. You, you can, you can take criticism on, you can hear things that may be hurtful, uh, but you're, it's, you're not going to internalize it. You're going to see it for what it's worth. You know, it's the result of X. And figure out, you know, what 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 about that can you use? Um, and I like to say, you know, in many ways, um, I I am kind of redirecting and rewriting the the storyline of this. So sometimes it helps, you know, if if I'm dealing with a difficult person, whether it's a client, etc., or I receive some negative feedback um, that feels critical um, to to put myself in their shoes and think, you know what, how could I be understanding in this situation so that I can take something constructive out and also understand where they're coming from so that at the end of the day, it doesn't end me, it doesn't leave me, you know, harboring ill will, which is actually debilitating. It doesn't, mm. it, it, it stops you in your tracks. You have negative energy um, and it becomes an obstacle. If we can see that it's ourselves that are in charge of whether we're going to create an obstacle or not. I think that's a very powerful uh, thing. And, but it does, it, it does take practice and discipline and, and, you know, you have to be mindful and thoughtful of it. And it's definitely not something that, that I think you can master and then not continue to, to work mm -hmm. on it. It's constant practice. Well, I also think that the environment that you create helps with that. So creating an environment where professionalism is key actually allows a, play, a space and a place for, you know, constructive feedback and developing that thick skin by getting feedback that you can look at and say, okay, what is the grain in this that I need to, I need to build on? 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, you know, it's so I, I always try to to let, you know, our team know, hey, you and this, that's probably, you know, the, the number one item is, hey, joining this company means like we you will probably never feel like you've done your best. <laughs> and, and you need to be okay with that. Because you know what, you won't, you will never do your best. We are ahead and we're innovating and we're successful because we are the company that is never going to relax because we did our best. Because you know what? We're going to find a way to do even better. And you, you have to have that mentality. You know, nobody runs a race and then decides that's the best I'm ever going to do. Right after that race, they've already made a decision that the next race they run, they're going to lower their time. So, you know, you, you have to have confidence in your ability where when you confront, you know, criticism that says, hey, this may not be your best, you take that on fully and say, you know what, you're right. I know I can do even better. And, you know, having an environment that is going to help you push yourself to those limits is mm -hmm. a win-win situation. It, it's just like, you know, we've all had, I used to play sports. Uh, and, and I mean, I love sports. And, you know, I had the most hard coaches ever I mean I hated these coaches and they would make me run until I threw up on the court I mean they were harsh but you know what I love these coaches when we won our championships I actually love these coaches because they pushed me to a point that they knew I could do I was the one that didn't have confidence because they actually saw even more potential in myself than I saw and if I didn't have them continuously, continuously challenging me, then maybe, you know, we wouldn't have gone so far. So I, I think, you know, having that mentality in a business, it, it's really no different. It's about coaching your team and making sure that, that they take on, you know, the, 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 right, uh, the right view to be able to maximize everything that, that they're doing. And how do you push yourself? Well, I'm probably one of those people that just naturally put yourself down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, but you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm also, you know, quite, quite human. I mean, I enjoy watching a good series and just picking out on junk food, just like we all do. So if I, if I take a look at, you know, what uh, things that motivate me are, um, you know, sometimes if, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, uh, then I will, I'll get myself motivated by just actually literally writing down every single thing that I need to get done. And at first I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I have a hundred items to get done and they're, they're all due at the same exact time. So I'm, I'm just absolutely failing. I can't keep up. I have all these issues and you know, the world is going a hundred miles an hour and I actually just need to slow down and take a breath. So what I do is I'll write down every single thing. And then I'll go through an exercise and just start to prioritize and say, all right, I'm going to do this one first. I'm going to do this one second. I'm going to assign this to someone else. This one is actually not necessary. And you know, it's amazing, but just reorganizing. So I guess that's a point. Like for me, I organize. So mm -hmm. that is a strength that I've found because once, if I am feeling unmotivated and I don't want to push myself, it's probably because I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling overwhelmed and I, 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 and I'm only feeling tired and overwhelmed because I just am feeling overworked. 
So how do I alleviate that? Well, I, I could actually do absolutely nothing during the day. We've all been like this. You've done nothing. It's noon and you're still feeling overwhelmed and you've done nothing. You, mm-hmm. You're feeling tired, but you've done absolutely nothing. <laughs> so it's illogical. So I'll, I'll just reorganize. I'll list everything. And then once I start to get clarity, then I become motivated. And I think, you know, actually, I even want to list things that I got done because it feels so nice to just cross it off on the paper and put a check mark by it. Mm. And then I start to celebrate, you know, actually, I've gotten so much done in the last month or look at how much, look at how much I've gotten done. So I think it's a combination of two things that work for me best. One is, you know, being tackling, reorganizing myself anytime that I start feeling tired, exhausted, et cetera, like I don't want to, you know, go forward and, and really clarify what are priorities and get that straight. So it doesn't feel so much like so much weight. And then mm-hmm. the second is, you know, sometimes just looking at, hey, where was I, um, you know, at the first of the year and now where am I now? where was I two years ago? And now where am I? Because all of us find can find areas where we've progressed, where we've impressed ourselves, you know, so little things like that. And remembering some of the victories is also very motivational. Like, you know, little things that you that surprised you, you didn't think that you could have achieved. And then miraculously, you know, you were so proud of yourself. You got the project done and you, you really were proud. And it was something that was really hard to do. I think remembering those uh, little uh, wins uh, also really helped uh, along the way. And then lastly, I, I would say there's probably one more, which is um, it really motivates me to, uh, to, to like just think of the people that I work around. And uh, in our company, we have, we call it a kudos system. And uh, I instituted this uh, several years ago because I had read this book and it, it had talked about, you know, the, the power of uh, being thankful for things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, how, how powerful it is and how much it, energy it frees up and how motivating it is when you take a minute to literally write so not type and not send, but actually handwrite a note to someone to express thanks. And so I thought, you know, we're going to implement kudos. And, I'm, and you know, it's like these little pieces of paper and every employee, including myself, right, is encouraged to just write a kudo to anyone that does something good. And then um, we have like this, you know, kudos contest and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, honestly, that is one of the best things ever because if, if you're if I'm not feeling motivated then pro- it's, it's so nice to just start thinking of okay who do I actually need to say thank you to and sure enough I'm going to think of someone who is setting such a great example that literally just by me saying thank you to them is motivation because I'm realizing wow they have gone the extra mile look at what an amazing job they're doing or look at how dedicated they are, how loyal they are. Um, you know, I, I feel so blessed to have them on the team. And even just writing a thank you note or a kudo puts me in a better mood. So mm-hmm. I'm like, they are inspiring me as well. Um, that that's probably the third the third thing. So organization uh, and 
you know, remembering successes from the past or organization past wins and then um, giving thanks. Fantastic. I'm going to give people a moment right now to uh, think about some of the people they want to thank as we go to commercial and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you ready to grow your business to the next level? Check out SRL Solutions for more information on training, coaching, and lots of resources for building your business sustainably and profitably. As a partner who helps you strategize and plan, Sarah Roach Lewis helps you turn your vision into reality. She helps you identify the right area of focus at the right time. Visit srl.solutions to find out more and for a free consultation. That's srl.solutions. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Breakthrough with Sarah Roach Lewis. To reach Sarah or her guest on today's program, please send an email to sarah at srl.solutions. Again, that's sarah at srl.solutions. Now, back to this week's episode of Breakthrough. I want to welcome you back to my conversation with Monica Eaton-Cardone, and uh, she's with Chargebacks 911 and Global Risk Technologies. Mar- um, Monica, we have talked all kinds about um, really you know, great advice for women. I'd love to hear from you, your experience. You are a woman in technology, and we know that women in business, women business owners, um, you know, to achieve the level of success that you've achieved is pretty rare. And then we, when we stack on um, in a technology field, it gets even more rare. Can you talk to me about some of your experiences being a woman in business in a, in a, in a traditionally male occupa- or, uh, industry for sure? Um, sure, sure. So I think... Um, <laughs> I think probably, so I'll, I'll, I'll start by highlighting, you know, one of my favorite quotes and, uh, and actually there's, there's two, right? So one is from Warren Buffett and I've, I've used, I, I cannot even tell you how many times I've had to lean on this <laughs> through my <laughs> career. Um, but it's, but he says something like, uh, you know, you can accomplish anything you want as long as you're willing to not take credit for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> <That's great. laughs> so I, I, I will tell you that that is something that I have had to lean on, on, on so many occasions because uh, being, and, and, you know, regardless if you're, if you're a woman or not, there are absolutely scenarios where you have to, you know, be big enough to think, okay, what do I want? Do I want to get this deal done? Do I want to get this over the finish line? Or do I just want to take credit for it? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just need to say, you know what, I just want to get to the next 
stage and I honestly don't care what it takes. And that may mean that, you know, I, I take a, a little bit of an, in, a hit to my ego, um, but I'm looking at the bigger picture. And, and invariably, looking at the bigger picture always pays off. But it does mean being willing to be a lot more humble than, and, and, than you naturally probably <laughs> should have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll give you some examples of that in a moment. And then the, the second quote is um, by, by Gandhi. And, I, and I'll paraphrase this, but I believe it goes something like, uh, you know, at, at, at first they will ignore you mm-hmm. and then they will laugh at you. And then they will fight with you, and then you will win. And that is also something that I found, you know, true. Um, maybe not, you know, it's probably true actually for, for anyone that is starting a business because you're going to be confronting challenges. Um, but I have had the, the benefit of doing business with lots and lots of different cultures internationally. And I found, you know, you again to the thick skin comment I would say that is absolutely 100% a requirement um so you you know you have to respect other cultures and and sometimes being willing to persevere and and actually uh get respect through example and having confidence in my ability to execute has been something that I've leaned on incredibly through my career. Uh, so, you know, many, many times I've gone into meetings where it, I'm sure that, you know, and, and especially in my situation, um, you know, I've, I'm sometimes the only woman in the room and definitely coming from an industry that is predominantly men. Uh, it, and, and I don't, I may not even have any eye contact. I may, you know, at first, Mm. but I can't actually let that get to me. It doesn't matter what kind of title I have. I'm not going to, you know, throw around my title, talk about how I founded this. I am the owner, blah, blah, blah. You know, what is even more powerful is actually just being quiet and then allowing yourself an opportunity to prove how competent you are. And, And that is where I found the very most success because that type of confidence, it, it can't be shattered by anything else. Uh, you know, it, it, because it's not based on what people think of you. It's actually based on what you know you can do and what you're capable of doing and what you've done. And there's, there's no, no one that can take that away from you. And as long, so I found that's very, that's been very, very successful. Um, and I'll give you an example of something that is, it's been hard to, to deal with um, just as because I have a position where I'm not just a woman in technology, but uh, I, I'm also a, a, a woman in a business that does business in international cultures that were mm-hmm. in these international cultures. Honestly, I don't even have, you know, I can't even have my own name without being attached to a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I need to accept those things. And, and thirdly, um, I brought my husband into the organization um, early on to help, you know, help manage things and run things. And so I work with my husband, who has a title as a CEO. And so that is also, I cannot even tell you 
how many interviews I've had where I will get asked, so, you know, uh, so I understand that your husband is a CEO, so did you work for him and then he gave you a job where you had a secretary and now you have this title, so let, let me just understand how that works. <laughs> so it's actually like so incredibly difficult to just keep my cool and say, actually, you know, it's the other way around. And so let me just like level the playing field. But I have to recognize, you know, we, because, you know, there's, there's different perceptions and, and different challenges. The, the best strategy for correcting uh, a perception is through example and earning, you know, a, a different perception rather than correcting someone through words uh, or telling them, you know, a different way that it is. And, and that has been humbling. Um, that, that's definitely been humbling through the years, for sure. Sounds like you've worked on uh, developing your patience as well. Oh, a thousand percent. I will tell you, I'm probably the most tolerant person <laughs> Yes, I, I, I do not lose my temper, but it has been very difficult. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, Monica, one of the things that I read on your website, and I just love this. Um, so, you know, you're a strong voice for women who want to succeed in business at the highest levels of IT enterprise. She advocates for the dreamers, the risk takers, and those ex who experience advancement barriers simply because they are female. Um, I, tell me about why it's important to you to support other women in business, um, regardless of their sector. Um, so I, I, I do think, uh, you know, when, so I, I think I would support anybody in business, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I want to be, uh, I, I do want to be cautious in that, you know, I, I, I think that things are as hard as you want to make them. I, you know, if I have had experience where being a woman in the industry that I'm in, doing business in different cultures that I'm in, yes, there may be some additional, uh, you know, barriers, if you want to call them that, but perseverance will prove that out, and it doesn't have to be a barrier, um, and that's the experience that I've had, and if I look at, you know, other women that are, that are getting into this, I would say one of the biggest um, weaknesses is, and, and one of the, the, the biggest obstacles to, to their own success, I, I would not say is, you know, sexism or they're being blocked from this or they're being blocked from that. You know, we're all, regardless if you're a man or woman, you're, you're going to, to deal with some prejudice environments in, in some scenarios and politics. Politics are everywhere. The, the biggest barrier for a woman, I think, uh, continuously succeeding and breaking through that is, is actually um, their, their viewpoint and confidence level. And way too many women uh, have the, like, I think we're just born this way, just as a sex, right? And maybe just over tradition. Um, but so many of us are afraid and to actually take credit for what we have done, um, or we don't we 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 don't voice our opinion because we don't want to offend someone, um, or you know we don't we don't try something even though we think we could succeed. And if you look at it, you know that our our culture has been 
really developed with with predominantly men being raised from day one where, you know, you're going to have to be more assertive. You know, they all play sports. You have to be aggressive. You have to get in there. You're going to have to speak for yourself. Nobody is going to talk for you. You need to make sure that your boss knows what you're doing and go after things. And I think, you know, women need more of that uh, because in, in the business world, especially the, to get ahead, you cannot be a, a bystander and not speak up. You, you have to be willing to, um, to you, if you want, you have to be willing to put yourself forward. You have to be willing to work harder than anyone else. You have to be willing to make sure, you know, I always say we're all in charge of our own job security. So if, if you have to be willing to do that. Um, so that, and, and you need to have the confidence, you know, to, to invest in yourself to make sure that, you know, you, you have the abilities that you require to be successful. And if you have those abilities, then you need to have the courage to put yourself forward and not, not think that just because you're the most talented engineer in the team and just because you think you do the best job that you should be the one that gets a promotion. I see this happen so often and you know, it doesn't, it happens to women all the time. It probably happens to women much, much more than it happens to, to men, but not necessarily uh, because of the sex, but probably more because of, you know, of how women are brought up in some of the traditions and some of, you know, our tendencies, we are probably a little bit more um, compassionate and we're willing to take a back seat and we're, we're trying to look at, you know, we don't want to offend people and we don't want to do this and we don't want to do that. And we're going to, we're, we're, we're going to wait for someone to talk to us and ask us for our opinion, even though we, we know we have something relevant <laughs> Yeah. It's uh, quite so a tension, though. You know, it's quite a tension, isn't it, Monica? On the one hand, you know, when, when we talk about your success, it's about sometimes being humble and taking that back seat and, and not necessarily, you know, finding the ways to show your, your success. And then on the other hand, you know, the challenge for women of, of really having to navigate that being confident, but not too confident um, is, is. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and, and I think, um, you know, like if, if I, if I look at uh, the, I, I've taken, you know, it, it's true. Sometimes I do think you, you have to be tolerant and be focused on what do I want to accomplish um, but if I look at, have I taken a back seat on anything that I've wanted to accomplish? No, unequivocally not in, in no way, shape or form. So, you know, but I've made decisions where I thought, you know, actually, is it important that I have uh, that, you know, I make an announcement that the whole world knows, hey, this is what I did and da, 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 da. No, actually, what I care most about is that our company is growing and that everything and that I'm able to continue to add value. That's actually what I care most about. So, you know, other noise I actually don't care about and I make conscious decisions for that. And, and as far as, you know, if I'm if I'm having to be tolerant with certain cultures, it's not necessarily taking a back seat. It's being tolerant to understand when is the right time to get the best results. Because I appreciate that there's always going to be a time. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's a great nuance on that idea uh, on our conversation. There's, there's a good nuance to that. Uh, in the time that we have left, Monica, I'd love to hear you right now. You have a staff of about 350 worldwide. I'd love to hear what your bold vision is for your, for your, your company and for yourself. Uh, so the vision for the company, uh, men, it's just simply world domination. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, you know what we have, uh, we've been so fortunate to, to land in just the, a great, uh, fast growing, uh, niche that, that has, you know, a, a lot of expansion opportunities. Um, so I work out of our London office, um, one of the the vision that we're that we're growing into is to become even have a, even a larger international presence. Mm -hmm. um, we have a, a great presence in the the U.S., uh, Asia, and the EU, and to continue expanding from there, getting to know how we can help. You know, some of the emerging uh, retail opportunities, banks, create efficiency for for the chargeback and dispute mechanism and really become an innovator in this space, I think. Um, and of course, you know, hopefully every single employee that works for us becomes a multimillionaire and they all become very, very successful in their own right. Uh, but yeah, I think um, just continuing to, to succeed and feel good about what we're doing. Amazing. Monica, thank you so much for your time and all of the inspiring things that you've given us to think about um, over this time. I want to also wrap up by saying thank you to everyone who listened today. Um, as we wrap up uh, 2019, I'm imagining you're thinking about what 2020 looks like. Why don't you head on over to my website? I've got a training that I'm doing on how to double your revenues in 2020. Uh, with that, I want to say thank you for joining me and have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to Breakthrough. Be sure to join Sarah Roach Lewis again with another inspiring interview next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, have a great week.